0: Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, show number 287.
1: You need to actually create a relationship with your boss, a professional relationship with your boss that is positive and that is that is open for dialogue. So this is what I'm saying. This is a project, people. <laughs> Asking for a raise is a project. It's a step-by-step process.
0: Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen and joining me today is Cassandra Dacent, a world-class connector with the voice of an angel. And on top of that, she is a gem of a person and absolutely a joy to be around. Today, we're going to talk about how to really quantify one's value in the workplace setting. I am here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else. To introduce you to every money story because I truly believe financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, going to make big time investments in assets like real estate, or start your own business, I'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards your dreams. We have a lot to unpack in today's episode because Cassandra has an enormous amount of information to share with you today.
2: When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet.
0: Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply.
2: This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
0: $5 minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions. Cassandra, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. I am so
1: excited to talk to you today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm legitimately excited to talk about you, talk with you, I should say, and about this topic.
0: I reached out to Cassandra after she posted on Facebook that she is a connector and sharer of information. She offered to share on a variety of topics. And the one that really, really hit home to me was how to advocate for oneself in the workplace with regards to negotiating salary and bonuses. And I think that this is something that people... Know they should do, and also really gives people the heebie jeebies because they don't want to do it. It's really makes us uncomfortable to kind of advocate for ourselves and, and push, push, push. But if you don't push, your boss isn't going to give you a raise, right? So let's jump right into this. Why do we, why do you feel that it's so uncomfortable for people to really ask for a raise and really like ask for a lot of money as a raise?
1: I think one of the reasons, actually, I don't think I know, it's, it's from an emotional perspective. A lot of us are dealing with the fact that um, it's almost like survivor's guilt in the workplace, especially if it's during recessions, if it's during um, major, uh, you know, consolidation of companies, mergers, things of that nature. So, if you're experiencing that or you've had that experience, you tend to feel the 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 thought of I should be grateful for what I have. I should be thankful for what I have. And you know, because so many people are not in the in the situation that I have that I have a job so you get this guilt you know conscience on you that you sh- you should be just thankful and just leave it alone and just take what you get so that's definitely one for women in particular uh I think we're still working through a lot of uh constraints in the workplace in terms of whether some of some of us females are few and far between in our profession, especially in domains such as engineering, you know, science, uh, mathematics, you know, uh even even in the education system, how many are tenured versus not? So already if you feel like you are in the minority, whether it is a visible minority or from a, you know, from a, a whatever minority that you represent, you feel that again, okay, well, If I have a position, if I'm, if I feel like, okay, I have a good salary, I shouldn't push, I shouldn't push, push, push this any further. So I think definitely it's a collection of emotions, guilt, and also you don't know how to do it there's, you know, very few people talk about what's the roadmap or what's the process to actually setting yourself up for potentially getting that raise or that transfer or that bonus. So a lot of people don't really discuss, it's it's like we don't, still many of us don't talk about our salaries. So what makes you think that people are going to talk about the process out of how to get a raise?
0: That's so true. And, you know, it's not like There's really this, this, like you said, roadmap to, you know, oh, right after your review, do this and three months later, do this and six months later, do this. But it, it does have to be this conscious all the time, but not really all the time, but all the time process that you're thinking about, because, you know, how many people have been sitting there? Oh, my reviews next week. Oh, what'd I do? What'd I do since my last review? I mean, that is me. I sit here and talk about money all the time. And that is me. I'm not looking for advancement in my company. I don't want to manage anybody. I don't want to, you know, grow my career. I'm at the end of my career. I'm right where I want to be. But that doesn't mean I don't want more money. I mean, who doesn't want more money? So sitting here, I'm like, ooh, I know I'm supposed to do my review every January. Oh, I'll remember. I don't remember. I don't remember at all. And we talked to Erin Lowry on episode 169. This is episode 287. So it's been a minute. And she talked about keeping a success folder in your inbox, on your desktop. And anytime anybody gives you praise, like through email, put it in your inbox. If somebody... You know, uh, it shares with you successful, you know, thank you, accolades, anything. You put it in your desktop folder so you can remember what it was. You don't have to like rack your brain. You just go into your folder. Oh, that's right. There's 27 emails from people who loved me or here's 57 things I did right at the company. And episode 169 released a really long time ago. And guess who hasn't started her success folder in her inbox yet or on her desktop, that would be me. So this year is different. This is the 2022 is the year of Mindy and I have now a success folder. And every time somebody sends me something, Mindy, I'm so thankful for your email or for your podcast. I get a lot of emails like that goes in my inbox my or my my success folder inbox. And it goes in, I've got work things, I've got people send me DMs on Facebook. And if you want to do that, it's Mindy at BP on Facebook, Mindy at BP on Twitter, Mindy at BiggerPockets.com if you want to send me a letter so I can put it in my success folder, or you can send one to Scott at BiggerPockets.com. Um, but not everybody has a Boss who hosts a podcast with them. So let's talk about some of these things. I mean, Aaron's success folder is a really great idea. And how frequently should I be looking into that?
1: So I, I definitely second what Aaron said. It's so important to have a log of your accomplishments, your successes, comments, um, feedback. You, you need that. It also, first and foremost, it, let's, let's, before we even talk about the money part, it validates your work. It lets you know that you are doing good work and that you know you're 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 impacting somebody positively. You're doing good work. So first and foremost, like give yourself the kudos to say, I am getting an acknowledgement. Like you know, you know that you're doing good work, but when you get that affirmed back to you, that confirmation, that knows that you're on the right track. You're doing something right. So that's first and foremost. Um, the other part of that equation is um it's not only important to have that log, uh, it's, you have to then, here's where the money part comes in. And here's where you start setting yourself up for that conversation is that you need to actually link it back all, you know, whatever accomplishments or whatever feedback you're getting, you need to link it back to any department goals, any major organization, um, you know, uh, objectives, essentially, right? So, you you need to know: Is this falling in line with what the company wants to do? Is this falling in line with what our department is looking to achieve on a monthly, a, a, a yearly basis? So it all has to roll back, roll up, I should say, to the upper levels of your company, your 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 division, or whatever that may be. Because if you cannot quantify your results to management they're really not going to give you anything that's the truth because as much as you think you're the best thing since you know sliced bread which you are we're not saying you're not you are but for money for money purposes you need to come with metrics you need to show you need to demonstrate that you know, the fact that you were able to resolve X problem has saved the company money or has saved the company from, you know, going into a dire situation on a project, whatever that consequence could have been. And you need to actually, you need to map it out. As a program manager, my job is to plan. It's to expect unforeseen circumstances and be able to address them with potential solutions from the gate. I need to look forward. I need to be future, future looking. You know what I mean? Um, You need to do that as well with your career. Oh, that's really
0: great advice. I love that. Be future planning. And yeah, you need to pull it back to the business objective. Oh, the business wants to do this. Here's how I contributed to that big goal. Here's how I contributed to these little goals, and this is why I have earned this raise. That's another thing that Erin said in her, um, in her episode was it wasn't just I want a raise. Well, nice for you. I want a new car. You don't just get right. things because you want them. You earn them. You and it, you don't even deserve them. You earn them. Here's what exactly. I have done, and here's why I am so valuable to this company.
1: I think and also to just to it it's not only the company objectives, it's also typically in a corporate setting or in a company environment. Every year, once you do that, we have a common, you know, common review process. So there's the department objectives, but then you yourself are supposed to come up with personal objectives, you know to show the company that you are looking to grow, that you are planning to grow your career or grow within your position. So the, the whatever you've accomplished need to actually, you need to find ways to tie it into both the company objectives and the personal objectives that you identified that you said you were promising to the company that you were going to fulfill.
0: Yes. It's two-pronged. Okay, so how can we, let's see. I want to make sure that I'm on the right track. And I have, you know, it's been a year since I had my last review and I'm doing great. I know I'm doing great. I want to make sure that my boss thinks I'm doing great too. How can I, how can someone check in and, you know, use their boss to their advantage to make sure that they are, not only are, does their boss know that they're doing well, their boss knows that they are expressing interest in growing, but their boss can kind of help correct anything that they're seeing. Because just because
1: you think you're doing great doesn't mean that your boss thinks you're doing great. Absolutely. So I think what you said is key. You have to take the initiative. Uh, You cannot allow your career to be determined by your boss because your boss probably has more than one employee okay, you may not be the only person in their sphere. Um, so you cannot count on them to manage your career. It is your career, it's your responsibility. So if you have a great boss who is very,, um, you know, she's very forward in the sense that she takes the initiative to or she he he takes the initiative to, you know, set up quarterly meetings or monthly meetings, that's great, but you need to think like the boss, okay? Because at the end of the day, you have to put yourself in their position to say, okay, well, how much of the, the 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 full purse of of money am I going to allocate to each employee? And why why is X Darren deserving 6% raise while Emily's only getting 3? So what I would suggest first and foremost is that you Approach your boss and say, "Hey, I would love to have check-in meetings with you. Um, I know your schedule is busy. I think it's important for me to to be able to tell you what's going on within you know within the workplace, within my environment, within the team, because I know that you're not really hands-on because you trust us as employees to do get the job done. But I know that you'd like a you know you'd like a, a summary. So whether it be uh, you know, a monthly or quarterly call, whether it be an email every couple weeks, however that person likes to receive information is how you're going, you need to cater to them, okay? So that's the first thing is that you need to take control and cater to them how they like to receive information. Secondly, you need to be delivering that information. You need to be consistent with how you communicate your results or communicate what's going on or communicate even obstacles or even situations that are not going well within a project or within, you know, within let's say customer service, there's their, the metrics are off. You need to be able to clearly and succinctly still, you know, explain the problem, explain what you're doing to resolve the problem and communicate with them that the problem is resolved because that's what you're guaranteeing them to do is you are here to resolve problems. That's that's what we get paid to do, right? We create, we innovate, and we resolve problems. That's that's the that's what we do as people. So that's that's the first and foremost thing. I was you need to take control if you want a one liner. You need to con- take control of the process, and you t- you need to set and establish consistent reporting to them. How much time do you think it would take
0: to set this up? Um, how much time should you be spending on checking in with your boss? Is this like a five-minute process? Is this a 30-minute process?
1: And this is like per week, per month, per quarter? I think it really depends on um, the nature of your job. Uh, You know, sometimes let's say, for example, if you're working in a call center, you typically have uh, more, more, more touch points than let's say someone who's a program manager or who's in engineering. You may have it just monthly, you may have it bi-weekly. So I think it really again, that's why it, it's important to have that first conversation with your supervisor and say, hey, you know, based on your your current you know workload, based on your schedule, what works best for you, right? You don't want to be domineering, and say, okay, I'm just going to send them emails. You don't know if they if they haven't if they got a thousand unread emails. You don't. I know I had a boss who had, but um <laughs> in in reality that's it. So it could vary. It could be weekly but typically, from my experience, it's been bi-weekly to monthly. Quarterly is a stretch. I think quarterly is a little long. Um, I think you should at least touch base monthly. Let's call it average, at least monthly, for at least 15 to 30 minutes every month if you're doing a con call. And if you're doing the email, I would say, you know, every two weeks. Very short, concise email, bullet point. You do, They don't have time to read, right? Let's Put yourself in the position of your boss always.
0: That's very interesting. You said quarterly is a little long. Um, I, I, and you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, Oh, yeah, I get together with them once a year. Um, I'm thinking, oh, you know, we we do quarterly at bigger pockets, but I also don't
1: do. Do, do a you lot. remember like my question is from each quarter, do you remember your those conversations? I don't remember what I did last week. I have right? a terrible. So memory, this is why. So, and this is why I'm saying it's important to stay in the, in the in the front of their thoughts. You know, because if you're not present in their thoughts, if they, if they're if they don't think about you at least once every couple weeks, either they've got too much on their plate, or you're just not. You have not put yourself in their sphere of consciousness, and that's really really important. Even if it's for five minutes, even if it's just for like. You know, my manager and I, we talk about our dogs. It it doesn't have to always be at work, but it's building that connection and that rapport that you need to establish first before before demanding money because that's very off putting. You need to actually create a relationship with your boss, a professional relationship with your boss that is positive and that is that is open for dialogue. So you have this is what I'm saying. This is a project, people. <laughs> Asking for a raise is a project. It's 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 a step by step process. Okay, let's talk to our introverted friends.
0: This is mm. It seems confrontational. I'm not an introvert, and it seems almost confrontational to say, I want a raise. Because I would I would love if my boss just recognized it and gave me a big pile of money. But, you know, I also don't like to pay more than I have to for anything. So I can understand why my boss wouldn't want to pay more than they have to. And if I'm not out there advocating for myself, who else is advocating for me? but it seems really confrontational at the same time so how how can our introverted friends make the most of this plan
1: so i'm 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 an ambivert if you will so i i can relate to many people i i can be social when i need to be but i'm good at home with my cup of tea and with my dog and i'm fine right life could stay like that i'm ha- i'm happy so i can understand the anxiety that it may that people may experience or just the plain, like, I just don't want to do this, right? So I think here's the, the, you have some questions that you need to answer for yourself. How important is getting a raise to you? If you decide on a scale of one to five, let's say that one is not important. Five is, okay, I need this raise because I want this new car or I want to pay debt off or whatever that X is. The closer you get to five is, then you need to realize that, okay, what needs to give in me? What am I willing to give up in terms of discomfort in order to gain? Because this is an exchange of energy at the end of the day, right? So if you decide that, okay, I'm a four and a five. I'm, I, I'm, I, I want this money. I deserve this money. So here's where, again, you say, okay, if you're an introvert, typically it's easier to, to do this by email, right you're you're not visually in front of somebody you know you're you're not having to just you know read someone's reaction visually that's it's very tough for introverts right so if you if your boss knows you as a person again i come back to building that relationship of understanding so they know you as an employee so they respect your boundaries as well they understand that you know what he or she's a great worker they just don't do well with face to face constantly all the time, right? So you have to explain to them who you are as a person. Otherwise, they're gonna do things to you that you don't like. They're gonna make you do things that you don't enjoy, right? So it's true. Yes. So um I in my I in my career have managed to mold my boss to react to me in a way that makes me feel comfortable. And really that's 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 it. It it sounds psychologically uh, challenging, but it's not. I really want to encourage everybody that talking to your boss is is not the end of the world. You're gonna have to do it. If you really want the raise, you need to educate them on how you best like to communicate. And it takes time. For some, it might be easier than others, and if you're in the situation that where a boss is is not necessarily respectful of your introvertedness, right, um, what I would suggest you can do is perhaps, um, it depends if you're on a bigger team or not, but you could potentially um, ask a colleague to not intervene for you. I don't know how, to, how I can explain how I can put this, but... Um, they can advocate for you in, in very subtle ways. So what I mean by that is, um, let's say, okay, there's a con call and everybody needs to be on video. By the way, I don't go on video typically for my corp company call, calls and I'm very like, no, you don't need to see my face, right? Um, but it's because I've built over time a level of self-confidence and self-awareness that I'm not afraid that I'm going to be fired if I advocate for myself. So that's the muscle that I'm encouraging you to, to build is learn how to advocate for yourself, even if you're introverted. Like there, there, there are ways to do this. I'm not an expert in it by any means, but it's also a process over time where you're just like, you know what? Um, the worst that can happen is I lose this job. I know I'm skilled enough to find another one. That's where I am at this point in my career that I'm very confident in my skills and my ability and my value. I know my worth. I know my worth. So now it's just finding your way of communicating your worth and your belief in your abilities to do your job so that your boss really doesn't doesn't pressure you into doing or communicating in ways that you don't want to communicate.
0: Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about setbacks, because it is really nice to think that your employment is always going to be unicorns and rainbows. But there are problems that sometimes come up. You make a mistake. The project doesn't get out on time. Sometimes the project doesn't get out on time due to no fault of your own, but it's still your project. So it doesn't go according
1: to plan. How do we get back on track after a setback? The first thing that is crucial, you need to accept responsibility for it. So you need to demonstrate that the, the blame game doesn't work here. So if you are responsible for an outcome, you need to take respons- responsibility for that said outcome. You cannot hide behind other people. You cannot throw people under the bus. That That's not going to lengthen your career, okay? So <laughs> it really will shorten it, in fact. So first and foremost, you just need to be honest. Um, explain why it went wrong, explain the factors that caused it to go wrong, and really come up with some solutions, you know, plan A, B, and C, not just one option. You have potential options to how to be able to rectify or at least limit the damage or the consequences of what happened. Because sometimes we can't fix it to, to fruition. Some projects just, you know what I mean? It it it, it doesn't end well, yes. right? So um in those cases, you really just have to say, okay, well, I identified why and how and when it went off the rails. So for future, you know, I am I am logging it so that I recognize that if we are even close to being in that position in a future effort, I know how to roll it back. I know how to how to divert and I know how to how to deal with it. Right. So there's lessons learned, we call them in, in our world, right? So that's, that's really, that's really it. It's, you've got to, you've got to acknowledge it. You have to state the, you have to state the reasons why, and then you've got to be able to present solutions or how would you do it differently in a future project?
0: What do we do if you state your case? I have earned this raise because of X, Y, Z. Here's all of my proof. Here's all of these things that we've done right. And your boss says, No. We can't give you a raise at this time. The company doesn't have any money. You, I don't agree with your assessment. Whatever the reason is, when your boss says no to your raise request,
1: what do you do? Huh. So here's, before you go into the raise, you have to understand that there are two outcomes, right? Potentially. There is the yes. Okay. Yeah, we agree with you. There are actually three outcomes. There is the yes, but we don't have as much money. So here's what I'm going to offer there's the worst case scenario that you outline that says you know what no but here's where before you before you go into that meeting you need to be prepared to essentially say am i willing to walk away from this job if i don't get this raise so before you even open that door what's the worst case scenario and are you willing to accept it that you would be willing over this issue even if your job is amazing, you love your colleagues, you love the work that you do, all the good stuff, right? But if that money request is denied, are you willing to give that up? And then secondly, um, are you willing depending on the type of boss that you have. You know, you they may be thinking, well, oh, they're their potential flight risk, right? Because they're asking for money and if they're told no, well they're they're going to quit. You have to also understand it's how you communicate that request with money that will determine how they will view you, even if you're told no. So you can still be told no, and both people, both parties leave with the same respect that you guys entered into that conversation with. So it's really important how you approach that conversation. So like I said before, are you willing to are you willing to stay with the current terms if you love your job or if you appreciate your job? Or B... Is the issue of money so important, like you're seriously underpaid and they're not willing to budge? Are you prepared to look for something better that will pay you your worth? And that I cannot answer. Only you can determine that answer for yourself. But you have to understand that that is a conclusion. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source.
2: It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to Nerd Wallet.
0: Scott's right Accounts and more today at nerdwallet.com.
2: NerdWallet, finance smarter.
0: As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. You're trying to save, trying to invest, but your bank account is stuck. How about we get rid of some of those unused subscriptions you forgot about? Trust me, with Rocket Money, it's easy. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Take control over your subscriptions and cancel your unused ones with just a few taps. Create a custom budget, view spending habits, and let Rocket Money negotiate to lower your bills for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com bpmoney. That's rocketmoney.com bpmoney minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions. Listen up, business owners. Here's some quick math. Fewer costs equals more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Don't let rising costs sink your business's growth. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash bpmoney. That's netsuite.com slash bpmoney. netsuite.com slash bpmoney. Let's talk about that for a minute. I wanna go in and ask for a raise and my boss is gonna say no. How can I ask so that I am... Preserving my relationship with the company so that, I mean, honestly, I've got to take care of my own self first. And if I need income, I don't want them to think that I'm a flight risk until I have found something else. Right. How can I ask for a raise in a way that says, both, I'm really serious, I want this, but I'm not going to leave if you don't give it to me?
1: So I think it's actually you start with that. You are not interested in leaving the company. You're really, really happy with the work that you're doing. You feel that it's it's you're, it's fulfilling to you. You feel that you're 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 a valuable contributor to this organization. And that's the that's the 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 bridge is that you're a valuable contributor to this organization. And here's why. Here's here is metrically wise my value. I'm actually now demonstrating my value from. A dollar, cents goals, objectives, perspective, but you always lead off the conversation is that you are you are genuinely happy with you know working at XYZ, working for you. Also, like it, 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 it highlight the boss's qualities as well. That you know you're you're a manager that really helps my career to grow. You you help me with opportunities. Like m- make them part of your success, right? They it's, you've got to you've got to get their buy in. That's what this is. This conversation is a buy-in. They need to buy into you as a person. So that's my suggestion is how you would lead that conversation off is that you're happy. You're generally happy with your job. You're happy with them as a manager. Um, And also I would suggest is ask them for their opinion of you. And I know it's scary. I know it's scary, but feedback is really important. Like we're not perfect. No one is perfect. We can all improve and show them that you want you want to improve in the process right so with all these things i think if if you really position yourself as um pro them not anti them you know but in at the end of the day like you'd have the right to ask for more money like they know this they know this hr this is what they have hr they know that uh, that employees our employees are going to do this every year it's nothing. It's not. It's not surprising to them. I want you to become comfortable with the idea that you going in to ask this. They're expecting it. Oh, I like that. It isn't surprising.
0: Rates go up, raises, I and mean, we're in inflationary periods right now. There's a cost of living increase. There's a cost of goods and services are going up. Girl Scout cookies went up this year. I mean, <laughs> hello. <laughs> yes,
1: everything is going up like, this okay. year. Right. And actually I want to add, um, so let's say an example, they, they love what they love the work that you're doing. They acknowledge that you're, that you're contributing. They acknowledge the results, right? Cause many acknowledge, they, they see for a fact that you are producing, but for whatever reason, they say that, no, unfortunately we don't have, we don't have the purse strings for that. You can negotiate in other ways. Well, can you get an extra week vacation? can your bonus be increased cuz they like to tend they tend to give more money on bonuses because it's not guaranteed every year right but still if you were to say okay i'm typically allowed up to a 15% a year bonus um would they be willing to give you extra on that right so because that they're not it's still money for you it's still technically this year you got let's say $3000 more than you would have because they put it on the bonus side or you got an extra week of vacation do people understand a week of vacation you know what that calculation is that's a that's a nice piece of change and that's rest for you so or for example um can they kick in more money to let's say uh if you're a smaller company potentially you can kick, they can kick in more, more money to an HSA or a 401k or there's there's a lot of ways around this so don't think that the door is shut to straight cash so you also have to think about how else would you potentially be willing to be remunerated? Oh, that's a
0: really good point. I would love more vacation time. Hey, Scott. <laughs> we actually just went this year. I'm super excited. We went to uh, unlimited vacation. So as long as you're getting your work done, you can, maybe I'll just be unlimited vacationing through Fiji. When it's freezing cold outside. Right. Um, yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's great. More vacation, more bonus, more 401k, more HSA. Let's say that there's none of that available. Mm-hmm. When is it a reasonable amount of time to check back in with your boss? Let's say that you love your job. Finding a company, I think that that there's a lot to be said for finding a company that you like to work at. I mean that I've worked for Satan himself and it's no fun. It you get up in the morning you're like, "Ugh, I have to go to work." I you drag your feet, you don't want to get out of bed. It is just soul sucking. And then I've worked for companies yeah. where I am walking out the door. My husband is a stay-at-home dad now. I'm walking out the door. The girls are fighting and I feel guilty because I'm going off to work and I'm going to have a good time. So the difference is night and day and it's this like huge weight that's lifted off my shoulders. If I was working at this, and I am working at this job that I love so much, if they said, no, we don't have money to give you for a raise, I wouldn't automatically think, well, I'm leaving. Because I know in my decades of working, I know that there's a lot of value in working for a company that you love. When is a good time to check back in and should you ask your boss about this or should you just like throw it at them? Hey, okay, we don't have any money now. I'm going to check back in six months or three months or tomorrow or, you know,
1: when, when is, is there, is there a rule of thumb to checking back in for, for more money? Yeah, there typically is a process, so that's that's usually during, kind of agreed upon during that initial discussion, that initial ask, right? So you can you can ask, well, you know, would the, would it be a good time to check in? What would be a good time to check in back with? Uh, if there's if they even mention like, you know, we'd love to do this for you, but now is not the best time. Our company's just going through you know some difficult times or whatever that case may be. So, you know, you could suggest whether it's six months or eight months, but give enough time um, to, A, allow them to, let's say if it's a real deal where it's, it's a cash crunch, to allow them to work through that. And B, you collect more proof. You collect more ammunition, right? This works, in, this works for you in, in a couple of ways, right? Um, so typically six months, eight months is a good period uh, to check back in also for bigger companies they typically have a schedule so you need to learn what their schedule what their review schedule is their calendar is because they literally have cutoff dates that decisions are made because it goes to committees to, to to approve budgets so you need to learn what that schedule is for your company so you're you're actually asking for that review in the cycle so that you can actually collect on it so you're not you don't miss the window right? You need to know what that window is. So whatever that window is for your company, play within Play within. I like that a lot. I'm trying to think
0: as you're talking, I'm like, oh yeah, that's August, right? Yeah. And it's, it's known. So yeah, um, ask your boss, ask your HR department. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Now let's go to the nuclear option. Despite all of your best efforts, there is no money available that maybe the company's not doing well, maybe you know other things are happening. Are there any warning signs that you need to leave no matter how great the company is?
1: Uh, well, if they're a public company and they're traded, you should be watching their stock to Ooh. be honest. Um, you yeah, so that's kind of left field. Most people that's are like, a great what? tip, so yeah, yeah, so you should be watching their stock, you should be following the company's um results there every company that's traded on the stock exchange has quarterly earnings um, and that basically tells the state of the company's finances and um, they are published they are public information um, so you can find it either within the company or outside but either way you should be seeing if you are working for what other people investors and shareholders view as a healthy company and when you start to see that the company's lagging, their earnings are off, they're, they're, they're missing their earnings completely, uh, you know, like Zoom, it just went south. You know what I mean? Um, that's an indication that, that's a huge indication actually, that you may need to look for another option. So that's my first tip and biggest tip I would say. Um, the other thing is um, how many people are quitting? How many people are are, are are being hired versus leaving? So see how your how your department or how your your core team is is shifting. Are people leaving? Uh, where are they leaving to? If they're talking about it, um, if people are leaving, but they're not hiring to fill that role anymore, they're starting to share the responsibilities across people. That's, that's These are signs. These are warning signs that you need to pick up on.
0: That's really powerful the, the uh, don't get caught being the last employee there to close up
1: the company and then, you know, get your $1. fifty severance. Literally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'll, another, I'll actually another tip I thought of because I lived it. So I've never been like really fired from my big girl jobs, right? So um, I have lived through two corporate downsizings and they're traumatic, right? Um, and if you are, Here's the typical rule of thumb is the longer you are there in terms of you know um, years worked, the higher you, chance you have to be let go. So if you know that you've been in a company for, say, 10, 15 years and they're looking to do massive cutbacks, you need to be very careful. So you need to start considering should i negotiate for severance should i should i potentially like take the money and go if you can find another job within your field right there's a lot of things that wrap into this but i want people to think that that is a potential possibility that you might be on the chopping block faster than someone who got hired only 6 months ago or 2 years ago because they cost less you cost more typically
0: that is a really good point because when they when they do a buyout, it's usually based on how many years you've been there. So you yeah. get a, a month for every year you've been there. Well, here's two months versus ten, right? And if you've been there for two years, you probably know the processes and understand
1: enough that you can help them you know, maneuver through. Well, that's it. They'll keep you around because you've got the knowledge, right? And then until you've passed that knowledge onto somebody else, you're still golden to them. But as soon as that knowledge transfer occurs, you're at risk. Okay, that sparks a couple of questions. So we've... Uh, We've heard the advice
0: that in order to get a big raise, you need to leave your job and go to another company. And we've seen that in several of our guests, um, A Purple Life and Financial Mechanic, kind of job hopped, which is you and I are the same age. It was definitely taboo for us to job hop when we were younger, but now it seems like it's no big deal to just spend a year at a job and then move on and move on and up uh, in the pay scale. Right. Right. Does it look bad to your current company that you went out and sought another job, even though you weren't planning on leaving? Are they thinking to themselves, oh, Cassandra's going to leave, so we will give her the raise so that she'll stay until we can find somebody to replace her? Or do they think to themselves, wow, Cassandra went out and figured out what her worth is, so we're going to reward her by giving her so much money? Like, that doesn't really seem on brand for the companies.
1: Uh, Gosh. I think it really depends on your skill set. Um, it depends where you're working. Like if you're working for Apple or Microsoft or Google, you know what I mean? They're desperate to keep high, t- you know, high, high knowledge talent, right? So this is very subjective um, for, let's say, people who are doing administrative work or people who are, are doing clerical work, for example, right? In, in the minds of many companies, it's almost sad to say, but it's like they're a dime a dozen, meaning that you're easily replaceable. So they don't value you as much as they should. So um, that's where you need to be careful in terms of what role that you're currently in. How much knowledge do you have of the company? Like, for example, I, I, I you mentioned we're the same. We're in the same uh, generation, and I was one of those exceptions that did leapfrog. So um, before it wow. was, yeah, before before it was like en vogue. Yes, because I understood that. Um, really the the ultimate time is the ultimate bargaining tool is when somebody wants you right when the, when you when you're at that hiring process and they they want you, that's when they're most willing to to give you the most really and truly that's that's just the reality of of, of how it works right? Um, so it is, it is much harder when you are already installed in your job, you've been there for a couple of years. And if you haven't been advocating for yourself and you suddenly like find Jesus in the process, um, and you're like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, I've been underpaid. Like, I need to fix this right away. They've been like, oh, oh, okay. She's, she's, she's now aware. Okay. How do we handle her or him? You know? So It really depends how you're coming in. What role are you working in? What company do you work for? What relationship do you have with your bosses? Again, I come back to that. If you haven't established a positive relationship from the get and you haven't maintained it, that's your job. That's part of your job. People don't, it's not only your job to do the work. It's your job to make your bosses think you're a superstar because you are. Oh, I love that. I love that. I'm going to mark that as a quote. We're going to have that up.
0: It is your job to make sure your boss knows that you are the superstar that you are. Okay. How frequently should somebody update their resume? I know people who have never, like as soon as they get their job, they just put it to the side. Um, I look at that girl in the mirror every day, although I'm not looking for a new job. I don't want a new job, but how frequently should you update your resume? Because it's kind of hard to remember all the things that you've done.
1: So well, if you're keeping a log of what you're doing, yeah. it's not hard at all. So it comes back <laughs> to that folder, right? So that that folder serves multiple purposes, right? So that folder is not only to help you navigate your your present career and and to demonstrate your value to your company in the hopes of being being rewarded financially, it's also to help you to position into a new job should you need to do this very quickly. So LinkedIn is a great tool. And I don't think enough people use it the way it, it it is laid out properly. Um, and I think your your resume updates should be happening in concert with your updates to your folder. So, like, you know, you can set yourself a time, let's say every three months. You have a meeting with yourself and you look at your folder and you're like, okay, well, what projects have I have I worked on or that I've completed that. Are really like they challenged me. They pro- they provided me to an opportunity to learn a new skill set, um, new new software, new systems, new programs, new processes. Whatever these newnesses is, is that can translate in p- potential raises, whether inside or outside the company. That's when you need to update your resume Ooh, in tandem. Okay. And
0: my final question: How long should your, should your resume be? And I ask this because I see a lot of resumes and. I've seen some 25-year-old applicants who have a three-page resume and I'm like, "Oh, no. Maybe is that is that you're supposed to do that now?" No. I mean mine's not even three pages and no. I'm
1: not 25. No. <laughs> max is max is two, like and max 2 is like big max, I would say. If you're able to um consolidate everything into a one pager obviously it depends on age right the older you are you have typically more work experience but that depends right if you've been at the same company for three years or for 30 years I should say you can you can actually format it to one page where you just separate the roles that you had or or what you've worked on right but ideally I think the rule is that HR typically looks at a resume for less than 10 seconds and chucks it like if they don't like if they don't see what and, uh, and the other part is, a lot of a lot of systems are automated. Automated, so they're looking for keywords in your resume, right? So if they're not finding keywords that align to the job posting, right, that gets chucked. So you need to. I, yeah, I don't know if you it's knew that. It's been a while
0: since I applied for a job. It's been a really. I like I only applied for this job and. Before that it was a really long time.
1: Yeah, so a, a lot a lot of companies are, are using you know that, that screening process, that automatic automated screening process, and it's based on keywords. It's no different than websites, right? So if they don't see a, a certain number of keywords, let's say like five out of ten keywords that they've identified in the job postings that is important or crucial to finding the ideal candidates and you, it's not on your resume. This is why your resume can't be cookie cutter. Oh, say that again that for the people to. in the back. Your resume cannot be cookie cutter. Say it again. <laughs> yeah, it cannot. You cannot be submitting the same resume with the exact the exact same description of your job to 10 different postings because again, it comes back to those keywords. Also, the job job descriptions may not be they they're they're, they're, not, they're not unique necessarily. They're not exactly unique. They're not so you you need to cater to them again. Do you want this job or not? It it's is work. work. Okay. Yes, it is work to find a job. Yes. I have. I was
0: laid off once. I completely deserved it. I was a terrible employee. I met I'm much better now. But yeah, it was horrible. And I was married at the time. To- I'm still married, but I was married at the time, which made it a lot easier to regroup over the weekend. And then Monday, I was at the unemployment mm-hmm. office. And then I would. I It's been a lot. <laughs>
1: right yeah and while we're dating ourselves because I remember the unemployment office too right so because I did get fired when I was 17 I'll admit that I I was was,
0: I was at the unemployment office and then I grabbed the newspaper and started looking for jobs in the newspaper because that's how you found a job in 2002 I think it was um yeah maybe 2003 either way it was that's how you did it. And monster.com was just happening. That was LinkedIn didn't exist. And it was just, I would circle everything. And then I applied to absolutely everything. I wanted them to tell me no, because nobody was calling me up saying, Hey, Mindy, are you looking for a job? I mean, that might happen now. But back then Mm -hmm. nobody was,
1: nobody was reaching out. No, the the, the age of recruiters was not, was not happening then. Like it's a completely different world when it comes to job hunting now. Yeah, I, honestly, it's so much, for me. I find it so much easier. But I think a lot of people are lackadaisical in terms of how they approach finding a job. Even today, um, recruiters will not call, knock on your email or call you unless they have seen something publicly about you that interests them. That's just how it works, right? So you have to make yourself an interesting candidate. So that requires you, there's a process. You need to, you need to put work into this. You need to stand out because there's millions of other people that want, sometimes they want yes, the same yeah, job. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Do I don't know out? anybody who's had
0: one applicant for the job that they were advertising for.
1: And it, exactly. And if it's one applicant, you question whether you want that job or you exactly, want to work there. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Oh my goodness, Cassandra, this was super fun. Is there anything else that you want to share or that I forgot to ask or that you think uh, people who want to prove their worth or want to you know, go on and look for a new job
1: need to know? I think we've covered so much. I would just encourage people to, to to put yourself out there, right? And before you put yourself out there to ask yourself, you know, what's the worst case scenario? Can you live with that worst case scenario is that they tell you no. Right, um, and most most nine times out of ten, yeah, you can accept that. No, right, um, but don't be afraid to put in the work in order to justify why you deserve more. So it's not an automatic, it's not a guarantee, but I think it helps you to grow as a person to to be open to that conversation of saying, you know, exchanging that information and and seeing, yes, I deserve, I I know I deserve it. Here's why. But I'm open to feedback too. I think that's a lot. That's part of the conversation that people don't typically go into that with is avail open yourself up to their perception of you as well. Because you might not be, you may be working thinking that you're doing great and their perception of you is not the same. And it may be for a reason that miscommunication that you, this is an opportunity to correct it before things get worse. Yes. Yes.
0: If you want to raise in six months, you need to know now that you're on the right path. Oh. Exactly. Cassandra, I love you. You're the best. (laughs) Thanks so much. This was super fun. Cassandra, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay. From episode 287 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, she is Cassandra Dacent, and I am Mindy Jensen saying so long and toodaloo. to see their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. With 24-7 U.S.-based member service and resources for veterans transitioning to civilian life, Navy Federal is here to help you reach your goals. Head to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing lender. Disclaimer, must join an open membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. Annual percentage yield 0.25% for membership savings account. $5 minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions.